Well, good morning. And I guess happy friend day uh, to each and every person here. Uh, I should probably introduce myself. I'm Pastor Mark Houghton, uh, sometimes known as the other Pastor Mark, because uh, we have so many of them floating around here. Uh, but we are, as Mark said, uh, very glad that you are here with us this morning. Uh, in fact, some of you probably don't know this, but um, many years ago, back when I was sort of a younger, younger man, uh, our church used to have a slogan, uh, which, which was, at Northgate, you are among friends. And that described our church actually pretty well. And actually, I kind of miss that slogan, uh, because I think friendship, it, just, it matters. Uh, so when we do this bring a friend day here at our church, it's really, it's not about just getting people to show up. It's not about filling the pews so we can pat ourselves on the back. No, inviting our friends to church is about really celebrating friendship and just acknowledging how important friends are to our lives because friendship matters. Uh, it reminds me of a story that I love that comes out of, you know, the trenches of World War I. Uh, there were two friends that were inseparable. They grew up together uh, when war came, they enlisted together, they trained together, they shipped out together, and they fought together, side by side, in you know, all the mud and misery of trench warfare that World War I had to offer. And you know, month after month, terror after terror, they lived out their lives, you know, in the cold, in the mud, in the rain, under fire, under orders, but they did it together. But then during one of the attacks, one of the friends was wounded in the field of battle. And it was a field filled with barbed wire, and he was left suffering beneath the enemy's flares, stranded between the trenches, no man's land, all alone. And both sides continued to exchange fire, and the shelling continued uninterrupted, and everybody knew it was suicide to try to reach this guy. Yet his friend decided he was going to try. But just as he was getting, climbing out of this trench, his sergeant pulled him back down and ordered him not to go. Told him simply, it's too late. You can't do him any good and you'll only get yourself killed. But a moment later when the, uh, the sergeant turned his back, the man jumped right over the top of the trench and onto the field. Ignoring the smell of sulfur in the air, the concussions of incoming rounds, the pounding in his chest, he headed for his fallen friend. A few minutes later, he staggered back into the trenches, now wounded himself with the, his friend's lifeless body in his arms. And the sergeant, seeing this, was both angry and also very deeply moved. And he simply said, well, now he's dead and you're hurt. Was it worth it? And without hesitation, the man replied, yes, sir, it was. Because when I got to him, he looked up at me, and with his last breath, he said, Jim, I knew you'd come. And as, a, as you hear a story like that, you can't help but feel moved. Uh, you can't help but wish that you had a friend like that. A friend who's not going to give up on me. A friend who's not going to let me down. A friend who's going to encourage me. A friend who's going to pray for me. A friend who's going to help me back up onto my feet when I stumble. Old preacher Charles Haddon Spurgeon said it well when he said, friendship is one of the sweetest joys of life. Many might have failed beneath the bitterness of their trial had they not found a friend. So today we celebrate that kind of friendship. And to do that, we're going to be turning to the book of 3 John. We're actually in the middle of a short little sermon series looking at this book. 
And the words are going to be behind me, but if you, I would encourage you to open it up yourself. If you don't have a Bible, there's probably one in the pew in front of you, or you could look it up on your phones. And the entire book of 3 John is really just, it's just a letter. It's a letter written by John to a friend. And our passage today is going to be looking at verses 5 to 8 of that book. And to do that, we're going to actually address a topic that I think is essential to any and every friendship. The topic of hospitality. So let me read these words, and if you have your Bibles open, you can follow along from the book of 3 John, beginning in verse 5. He writes these words. Beloved, it is a faithful thing you do in all of your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are, who testified to your love before the church. You will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God. For they have gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support people like these, that, that we may be fellow workers for the truth. Let's pray. <coughs> Father God, um, yeah, Lord, as we look at hospitality this morning, I pray that not just every person here would feel welcomed, but Lord, that we would welcome you. Uh, into our midst this morning, that, Lord, your presence would be with us, that through your Holy Spirit, Lord, you would come to be not just with us, but, Lord, to be our guide, to be our teacher, uh, to help us to hear these words you would have us here this morning. Just pray, Lord, this would be a holy moment. This would be a moment when, when your word is preached and when, Lord, you are high and lifted up and glorified in the midst of your church. We invite you into our time this today. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. So as we come to our passage today, as I was looking at it sort of this week, you know, it's, it's one of those things, a thought just kept recurring to me, and it was, it reminded me of the wonder of children. Uh, because if you've ever taken a young child to, you know, a playground or a park to play, you know that even if they run off alone, in about 30 seconds, they'll have introduced themselves to another child, and they will be playing together, and they will probably have made a lifelong friend. And it's amazing to see when it happens. And to com be completely honest, I'm a little bit jealous of that. Because what seems just so natural for children, making friends of strangers, can really be something that's really tough for us as adults. It's like somehow we grow up and the rules change. Things are just different. Someone once put it like this, we've gone from being, being people sitting on our front porches and welcoming the world to people hiding on our back decks, trying to keep the world away. And you think about that, because there's been that change that's happened all around us. Many of us lived long enough to see it. You know, people used to build front porches on their house. And they would sit there, and they would, you know, they would greet people who, 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 who went by, even strangers. You know, walking down their street would get a wave and a greeting and sometimes they would even stop for some conversation. But today, in most houses, we're building back decks. And we're making sure that those decks are surrounded by high fences between us and our neighbors. You know, literally, the first question you, you ask when you're down your deck is like, can the neighbors see me right now? We're literally putting up walls so that we can keep to ourselves without having to deal with nosy neighbors. And it's really, it's gotten to the point where in some cases our houses have become little fortresses 
that are impenetrable to the world outside. And the reality is you can move into a new house, into a new neighborhood. But if you don't take the initiative, you can be there for 10, 20 years or more and you'll still never have introduced yourself or gotten to know the people who live right beside you. Because the world can be a lonely place and it's often made even more lonely by the choices we sometimes make. And honestly, that hurts. Because there's often this, I think, deep ache in our hearts when we realize how lonely we are and how shut off from others we are because the truth is God actually created us for community. It's something that God put in us when he made us. We were designed for it. We're designed to have intimate relationships with other peoples. Designed to, you know, build into the lives of the people around us. To have people who we can entrust the secrets of our heart. We were created to laugh and to praise and to cry and to, you know, pray and to fellowship with other human beings by our side. In short, God made us to have friends. You know, it even says right at the beginning of the Bible, Genesis 2, verse 18, says, Then the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. Did you know that's the first thing in all of creation that God says isn't a good thing? Loneliness. Loneliness was the first enemy God helped humanity overcome by giving us one another. And yet more and more, especially here in North America, People feel so alone, so isolated, so disconnected, so lonely. And I know a lot of people, they put on brave faces, but you don't have to scratch the surface of a person's life very deep before you discover that so many people have a real, deep, desperate desire for togetherness that is often unmet. And that's why hospitality is more powerful and it's more important than many people can even understand. Because hospitality is where friendship begins. Did you know that everyone is a stranger until you take the chance, the risk, to invite that person into your life? And that's why our passage actually says, from 3 John, verse 8, John says, Therefore we ought to support people like this, that they may be fellow workers for the truth. The NIV version, it says it even more clearly. He says, we ought therefore to show hospitality to such people. That's what he's talking about. And it's not just John who's writing this letter who thinks hospitality is a good idea. You know, the Bible goes out of its way to drive this point home. Romans 12, 13 says, share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Hebrews 13, verse 2. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers. For by doing so, some, have been, some people have shown hospitality to the angels without knowing it. 1 Peter 4.9, offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Even in the Old Testament, you have verses like Leviticus 19.34. It says, the foreigner residing among you must be treated as a native born. Love them as yourself. God wants us as his people to be willing to welcome others, even people that we don't know. And John, in this letter of 3 John, he's writing those words about hospitality for a very important reason. Because we touched on it a little bit last time when we looked at the first part of this letter, but just as a bit of a reminder, 
Remember, John the Apostle had heard about trouble that was going on in this one church in another town. And John, by this time, he was advanced in years. He was an old man. Tradition actually says John had to be carried um, into church by others in his old age because he couldn't really even walk. He couldn't get around like he used to. So John couldn't just get up and go in person to see what was going on in this church like he used to when he was a young man. So instead, he sent others on his behalf. He sent this team of ministers under his authority to go to this church. But when that, these, this team got there, some of the leaders of the church wouldn't let them in. They actually left these guys that John sent on the streets to fend for themselves. And you know, I think it's a bit of an aside here, but I think there's a lesson for us in all, in all of that for us about the dangers of being an unwelcoming church. Because you know what? If people come to a church and they don't feel valued and wanted and appreciated and welcome, then there's something very wrong going on at the heart of that church that doesn't want to be a welcoming church. And if people come to a church and they don't find other people who will soon become their friends, there's a good chance those people aren't going to be there very long. But thankfully for John, in all that was going on here with these guys being shut out on the street, there was one guy, a man named Gaius, in this church who was willing to open the doors to his home and welcome these people in. Which is why John says to him in verse 5, Beloved, it is a faithful thing you do in all of your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are. You see, Gaius opened his home, his house, so that these people with nowhere else to go, nowhere else to stay, could stay with him. And you know, that's exactly what Christian hospitality is. Because, you know, you don't really have to complicate this, you know, or confuse what hospitality means. You just keep it simple. Christian hospitality is simply a willingness to open your home or your life to others, to make them feel welcome in the name of Jesus. It's that simple. And, you know, that can take several forms because it doesn't, doesn't just have to be you giving room and board to a group of traveling strangers. It can be having your neighbors over to build a relationship. It can be having friends over to relax because they just need a busy break in the middle of their busy life. It can be having another family over for dinner. It can be having a games night with friends. It can be inviting that new person in church out for lunch because you remember how scary being the new person in church can be. You see, hospitality can be a lot of things. But the point is you take the initiative to open the door of your home, or even more importantly, to open up the door of your heart to invite people in, and you make them feel welcome. And I've already said, that's how we all begin meaningful relationships with other people, because everyone is a stranger until you get to know them. Which is why I think we need to be really careful about falling into um, some very common pitfalls when it comes to this idea of hospitality. Because there are several, in all of our lives, there's several factors that will get in the way and begin to hinder this spirit of hospitality in our lives. And I want to talk about them. I'm going to give you three of them here. And the first factor that I think can hinder hospitality in our lives is it's just plain old being busy. Too busy. Busyness. Because you know what? Hospitality is time-consuming. 
You have to take the time. You have to make the time to welcome and invite people into your homes, into your lives, and spend time with them. And time is something that many of us have in very short supply. Sometimes we're probably even guilty of thinking to ourselves, with so much to do, who has time for people? Reminds me of a story of a young mother uh, who invited some people to her house for dinner. And at the table, she turned to her six-year-old daughter and said, Honey, uh, would you like to say the blessing tonight? The girl replied, Well, well, Mommy, I, I don't know what I would say. So the mother answered, Well, just say what you hear Mommy say when she prays. So the little girl bowed her head, and with sincerity in her voice, she prayed, Lord, why on earth did I invite all of these people to dinner? We've all all been there, haven't we? Uh, I'm not going to lie to you. Hospitality, it isn't always easy. It does take work. It it takes time. But if hospitality is going to happen, we need to make the time for it in our lives. We need to prioritize it and see it just for as valuable as it is. Then a second factor that can hinder hospitality in our lives is pride. Uh, and this usually manifests itself as the my house is too messy to have people over attitude. Um, in fact, when I read this, this passage, I'm always, like, I'm always hoping Mr. Gaius asked Mrs. Gaius if it was okay to bring these people over. Without, you know, give her a heads up at least so she, you know. Because there's something in many of us, something that thinks that the messiness of our everyday life is not something we are willing to let people enter into because we're worried about being judged. We'd rather just clean it up and present this false version of ourselves and our lives to people. There's a, I love the words of a woman named Karen Burton Maines who wrote a book called Open Heart, Open Home. In which she tells a story of one morning she decided that she's going to read a book instead of doing the housework. And of course that was the morning a person from church decided to stop by. The place was a mess. There was dishes in the sinks and toys everywhere and last night's new paper all over the floor. And she says, as I went to the door, I could hear that still small voice saying, remember, hospitality comes before pride. And I wondered, why do you never hear that voice when your house is clean? But she says, I swallowed my pride and let the person from church into the chaos. And they came in and they sat down and the person looked at the mess of my life. And they said, I used to think that you were perfect, but now I think we could be friends. (laughs) And that's so true. And that's why it's important for you to know there's a difference between entertaining people in your home and hospitality. You see, when you're entertaining people, it's about fine china and cloth napkins and desserts that took three hours to make. You know, entertaining people is, you know, cleaning the carpet and having the lawn mowed and and shuffling the kids off to grandma and grandpa's house so they won't spill anything on your guests. Hospitality, on the other hand, is inviting people into your life just as you are. Hospitality is walking into the living room two steps ahead of your guest and kicking the toys out of the way. Hospitality is sharing whatever you have, even if it's just leftover meatloaf and microwave tater tot. Hospitality is real life. And therefore, by necessity, hospitality is humble. The house may be a mess. The kids may act like kids. The food may not be worthy of a Michelin star, but that's okay because that's reality. 
And practicing reality means inviting people into that and getting over our pride. There's at least one more lesson in our lives that can make us inhospitable. And that's this sort of seeing your home as nothing more than a refuge. Uh, You know, so that when you come home from work, you know, we crash on the couch, we're exhausted, we turn off our phones, we just kind of shut down. And I'm guilty of this myself. I often feel, you know, my home is the place where I go to get away from people, not where I want to have them in. This is kind of the my home is my castle kind of excuse. Get home, pull up the drawbridge, and hold the fort till morning. And again, we all need our homes to, to be safe places at time, but we can't let our homes become places where other people aren't welcome. We need to be willing to let down the drawbridge of our castles and let people in. Because, and church, this is an important truth. As followers of Jesus Christ, we're just stewards. Your home is not your castle. Your home is a treasure that is entrusted to you by God that he expects you to use for his kingdom. And I'm not going to lie to you. Hospitality, it takes work. And it will humble you. And it'll pull you, you know, put you out. It's inconvenient. It'll invade your privacy. But we can't let excuses stop us. We need to invite people into our lives. We need to heed the call that the Bible trumpets so often and so loudly to be people who practice hospitality. So let me close with just a few quick words of advice to, to help us as Christians get hospitality right. You can call these applications that come out of our passage, and they're going to be pretty short and sweet, so if you want to remember them, you might want to write them down. But the first one comes from our passage in verse 5, where John writes, Beloved, it is a faithful thing you do in all of your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are. And this is realizing practicing hospitality requires faithfulness on our part. It means we, we, we need to do it. We need to be obedient and actually practice hospitality. If you're like me, you know, you're so guilty of thinking, what a great idea it would be to have people over. We should talk about that. You know? But no, it never happens because stop talking about it and do it. Stop thinking about it and just do it. And you got to do it. You got to be obedient. You got to be faithful and just put this into practice. And be persistent. Because, you know, if you have any experience trying to invite people over to your house, you know, chances are you're getting more no's than you are yeses. But you got to keep asking people. Um, You know, keep asking because, you know what, the more you ask a person, the more that person is going to believe you're actually serious about getting to know them. So my encouragement to you this morning is find a way to make it a regular practice just to obediently, faithfully invite people into your home and your life. Find a way to faithfully practice hospitality. The second application for us comes from verse 6, where it says, Who testified to your love before the church, you will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God. And to me, that's telling us that practicing hospitality is about blessing people. Or as John puts it, sending them out in a manner worthy of God. To put it another way, when you open the doors of your home to others, make sure that when they leave, they are richer than when they arrive. That they go home with more than they came with. And that's not just always about giving them stuff. It's about giving them yourself. And you can do that. You can bless people 
by being a good listener when they're in front of you. You can do that by asking them questions to get them to know them better. You can do that by just having fun together, playing a game. You can do that by just not having an agenda and just being yourself. You can do that by offering them encouragement. You can be that by just accepting them just as they are. And best of all, you can do that by praying for them. In fact, this is a great tip. When someone's sort of getting ready to leave your house, just take a moment to say, you know what, before you go, can I pray for you? And if they say yes, bless them in prayer. It matters. Welcome people when they come and bless them as they go. That's what hospitality looks like. And then we get to verse 7, where it says, For they have gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. And I think another lesson we learn here is when you practice hospitality, we should be looking for people's needs needs in a person's life. Because hospitality is more than just a surfacey time to have fun with people. It's about getting to know the real person sitting across from you. And often when that happens, it'll mean people opening up and sharing. They'll share their stories. They'll share their dreams. They'll share their hurts. And they'll share some of their needs. And part of Christian hospitality, I think, means asking yourself when you hear those needs, how can I help this person? What can I do to help meet this very real need in this person's life? How can I assist this person in a practical way, even after they've left my home? Because sometimes what begins as hospitality actually turns into an opportunity to offer that person some help in their life. And then we get to verse 8, where John says, Therefore we ought to support people like these, that we may be fellow workers for the truth. And I think for many of us this morning, this should be the main thing we should be going home knowing. Because we're actually told here that practicing hospitality truly is a significant work for God. As John says, practicing hospitality, in doing that, we become workers for the truth. And you know, because it can be very easy to sort of dismiss hospitality as just a little thing. Even an unimportant thing. You know, I'm just taking them out for coffee. You know, I'm just connecting for someone for a few minutes of conversation on my street. Just going over for dinner for my neighbors. I'm just, you know, taking a friend to a park uh, for a picnic and a sandwich. Just having some buddies over for a barbecue. You know, those are all kind of things you might feel, I could take it or I could leave it, whatever. But again, hear this. John is telling us here, it is in those things you actually find the essence of the kingdom of God at work. This is the work of the kingdom happening. Again, I think we all need to hear this because understand hospitality. One of the first places that many people in your life will ever experience the love of God in their life is when you extend to them the ministry of hospitality. When you open your home and your heart you are in turn sharing the love of God with the people in your life. Because God loves people. I mean, that's the bottom line. I mean, the verse that, that Mark uh, talked about earlier. John wrote those words too. John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. God loved everybody. And that love of God needs to be at the heart of true hospitality when it comes to our homes. 
I love the words written by an author, David Redding, who put it in a way I love so much. He says, there is no other blessing I can give you. There's no gift so precious, no treasure so refreshing, nothing that can provision you for the journey we are all, all making than to tell you that there is a God who is searching diligently for you. He's not a stationary God. He's crazy about you. And the extent to which he's gone isn't reasonable. It's incredible. It's amazing. The cross was not a very dignified ransom. To say the least, it was a splurge of love and glory lavishly spent on you and me. And God wants people to know there is a God in heaven who loves them so much that he sent his son Jesus Christ to the cross to die for their sins so that they could be forgiven. So when any of us look in the mirror, we need to see people who matter to God. When we look at our neighbors and the strangers across from us, see a person that God personally created, a person that God was willing to die for, a person who was worthy of his time and attention and sacrifice, and who was worthy of your time and attention and sacrifice. And as Christians, in practicing hospitality to the people in our lives, we are re representing the love of God to them. We are speaking that love and that value into that person's life by inviting them in and telling them that they matter. And that's why hospitality is truly a work of the kingdom. It is a work of, for the truth because it is a reflection of the love of God. Let me close with the words of author Max Licato. Uh, he writes in one of his books, uh, Outlive Your Life. He says, even a casual reading of the New Testament unveils the house as the primary tool of the church. Long before the church had pulpits and baptistries, she had kitchens and dinner tables. Not everyone can serve in a foreign land or lead a relief effort or volunteer at the downtown soup kitchen, but who can't be hospitable? Do you have a front door, a table, chairs, bread, and meat for sandwiches? Congratulations, you just qualified to serve in the most ancient of ministries, hospitality. And he says, because something holy happens around a dinner table that will never happen in a sanctuary. In the church auditorium, you see the backs of heads. Around the table, you see the expressions on faces. In the auditorium, one person speaks. Around the table, everyone has a voice. Church services are on the clock. Around the table, there's time to talk. Hospitality opens the door to uncommon community. He says there's no accident that hospitality and hospital come from the same Latin word because they both lead to the same result, healing. When you open your door to someone, you are sending this message, you matter to me and to God. You may think you're saying come over for a visit, but what your guest hears is I'm worth the effort. And who we welcome into our home and how we welcome them says much about the one we have welcomed into our heart. Those are wonderful words. And with that in mind, let me offer all of our guests here this morning this invitation to join us around the table in the Fellowship Hall for lunch. Um, if it's your first time here, or even if you've been here for a while but you want to feel more connected, please join us. Let us offer you some hospitality today.
because that should be something we all aim to be doing in our lives as often as we can do it. Because there's once this guy named Gaius. He wasn't a pastor or a church leader. He wasn't a great speaker or an evangelist. And yet he became part of the spreading of the gospel and the work of God's kingdom, all because he offered what he had. Because he opened his heart and his home to others. All because a little thing called hospitality. So we want to follow his example and seize the moment and practice hospitality in our lives and in our church. And it's more powerful and more important than you could ever believe. And whether you invite people in or whether you take them out, let people see your heart. Let them experience your love and let them feel welcome. Because that is a true reflection of God's love to each person in our lives. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for, I think, what is a timely message and such an important lesson, message in, in all of our lives. Because Lord, hospitality, I think, is something that not just something that's easy to overlook, but something I think that our culture today is actually just pulling us away from. Uh, we've become so much more isolated. We feel so much more alone. And Lord, I know we go online and join these Facebook groups, but yet, Lord, it's no substitute from sitting down in the same room with someone, looking them in the eyes, and making them feel welcome. So Lord, I pray that you would help us, each one of us, to 